0: Audio Podcast Network. one where my glass is never empty and there's cookies aplenty and my vibrator fulfills all my desires welcome to whining about herstory of women's history podcast where we whine about women that you probably haven't heard of but definitely should have I'm Emily. I'm Kelly, and thank you. Emily <laughs> almost
1: made me choke on my coffee. If you are I wasn't still prepared. here
0: after that intro, you're you're one of the you're last, last of people. the real ones. <laughs> yes, th- that's actually the um, our way of weeding people out who are going to leave a shitty reviews. Where it's like, no, if you can't handle my intros, <laughs> if you don't, if you can't handle me at my intros, you don't deserve to get to my outros. Oh, <laughs> boom. Yes, this is not a serious discussion about history. This is two friends getting together over a bottle of wine and maybe some apple cider. Or coffee. To whine about women. Because it's chilly out and we need some warmth in our bellies. Yes. We need to get some of that like heated up mulled wine. Mulled wine? Is it? How do you say? Mulled? Mulled? No, just
1: put donkeys in the wine. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) By the way, did I tell you for a bitch giving, Tierney had a bottle of that witch's brew. Please tell me she heated it up. Well, okay, here's the thing. I had already had two Old Fashions, and so I was feeling care. super headachey, so I didn't actually have any.
1: That's what I'm going to get you for Christmas is those things that they say, like, take the tannins out of wine so you don't get wine headaches
0: well no they were whiskey headaches because no. I had two worse. old fashions on an empty stomach mistakes were made mistakes during bitch giving
1: <laughs> always eat something before drinking heavily that yeah. is our PSA today
0: yeah also uh if you see a black minivan with a light flashing on top of it they're trying to lead a funeral <laughs> <laughs> I Give learned them that the right today. of way. I learned that today. I was so confused and he was trying to get into like onto my street and he was like inching out a little by little. And I'm like, dude, go or don't. I passed him. And then I was like, oh shit, there's a funeral home right there. Oh no. So that was a learning moment for me. <sighs> But you so know I, what?
1: Everyone, Emily, cut off a funeral
0: procession. They were literally. To, to come
1: and record. For they were you.
0: literally exiting the parking lot. They were not yeah, even. At least it, it
1: wasn't like in the middle. They were not
0: in pro session. They were in pre session. <laughs> but you know what? The only mistakes you can make are the ones you don't learn from. And I definitely learned from this. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: they should. They should have like, you know, like on like presidential vehicles, they put like little American flags. They should have like little flags. So, you know,
0: I I probably Actually, would have put they it usually together. Do Not the front car.
1: The rest of the procession, they usually give you like a little black flag to like put in your window.
0: See, I probably would have realized what was going on, but I was so shocked to see a minivan. I was like... With a flashing red light, you're like, you're not a cop. Well, no, I was like, first of all, I can't remember the last time I saw a fucking minivan. What is happening here? Oh, and there's, they also have a red light flashing on top. There were like all these things that were like hitting my brain with confusion. I went in total overload mode and I was focusing on all the wrong things. <laughs> you're so funny. But you know what? That's just what I do to bring you... Some whining goodness. So Kelly, what are we drinking yeah. today?
1: Fragile. No, I'm kidding. It's probably fragile. No. It's probably fragile. But no, when I look at it, it's I not. read it as Fragile.
0: It's our accidental holiday wine because it is Fragile.
1: So Fragile, this is a 2019 rosé um, from Department 66. France. I had to say France because the last two we drank were from Australia. <laughs> we're leaving the country. Um so it says lovely floral and honeysuckle aromas lead to ripe strawberry, watermelon and peach flavors on the palate. The long finish has balanced acidity and minerality that create a unique and enjoyable wine. So even though it's called frigile, which makes it, you know, make me think of Christmas, uh, it's definitely apparently a summer one.
0: I was going to say the description put me outside of a French bistro on the Seine in springtime. There's cherry blossoms for some reason, but it's my fantasy, and so honeysuckle. there can be whatever I want. A butterfly tenderly lands on the edge of my glass as if to bless it with its wonder. The,
1: the <laughs> aroma is very, very nice.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, Kelly had me sniff the cork, and I was like, oh, damn. Yeah, so cheers to... Learning about proper funeral etiquette, (laughs) funeral procession etiquette. I was wearing black at least. (laughs) Yeah, you got that down. Cheers, cheers. Whoa, it's a lot drier and more mellow than I thought it was going to be. The sweetness,
1: like the sweetness, is on the back end. It's you know, it's not like a moscato where you drink it and it's like super sweet, but it's there
0: okay, this wine is the equivalent of a frozen lake where there's this like top layer of stillness, but you know there's something going on underneath. It's good. I'm not a huge fan. I know you wouldn't. I knew you wouldn't. Because it's be. it's too mellow. I need I basically need she likes to be adult punched juice. in the face. I do. I do. That's my kink. Getting punched in the face by my wine. It's not bad, but yeah, it's it's a lot it's drier too mellow and mellow. For you. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna it. I'm gonna go to the liquor store after this and get some of that sparkling stellarosa or that barefoot Moscato oh, where yeah. they have like the peach and the pear and the different flavors. Get some summer
1: wine, even though it's, you know, cold.
0: I had a uh, uh, some non-podcast related recreational wine drinking with a friend of mine. What's up, Jory? And it was uh, oh god, I think it was it was a mango wine.
1: That that mango Moscato you brought here that one time was so good. Yeah,
0: it wasn't this, but it was it was similar. And yeah, we downed the bottle in very quickly. And she was like, "Okay, note for next time. Bring two bottles. I'm like, yeah, one for you. Always one for me.
1: Whenever you're intentionally drinking wine with someone, bring two bottles. Yeah.
0: Well, I remember uh, years ago, Tierney used to come over like every Tuesday night. We'd watch a movie and drink wine. And yeah, we would finish off a whole bottle in a night. Yeah. And then always be like, why aren't there
1: two bottles? I mean, that when I went up to see my sister-in-law like two or three weeks ago, and we intentionally were having a wine night. Yeah, I brought two bottles, and then she whipped out a bottle of her own. So... (laughs) I drank a lot of wine that night. Mistakes were made. I did not feel good the next day. You know
0: what? I, I always get mad when I get drunk and I text you how much I love you. And you're like, are you drinking? And I'm like, can I just be in love with you? I've been trying not to respond that Here's way the thing though. You texted me that night and you were like, I fucking love you. I could like hear how drunk you were in the text. And I was like, Kelly's sloppy. <laughs> you just know
1: like whenever I do. Ever anyone texts you like past like eight o'clock particularly on like a friday or saturday saying yep. they love you they're probably drunk
0: oh yeah yeah i remember one night uh not this last summer the summer before i was like i was drinking some wine to unwind after work and i was in my fuzzy bathrobe and my jammies. I was just having like a little me wine night and I was watching dino documentaries on YouTube. And I was like, I just started texting everyone. I knew like, I love you so goddamn much. You have no idea. Like I haven't seen you in five years. I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) There were some people who were like new phone. Who dis? (laughs) And you're like, I know who you are, Karen. (laughs) I remember when you paid yourself in the second grade. I was there bitch. And I still love you. I still love you in your Pissy's pants. <sighs> what? Okay. Piss- pissies pants. Yeah. that's actually what uh, Karen is listed at in, as in my phone. Pissies pants. Little, little Miss Piss pants. That's funny. <laughs> All right, sorry, what are we doing? We have a podcast about women. From history.
1: You mean not about women pissing their pants?
0: Well, I mean, I'm sure, su- hey, we've all been there. Even some of the best women we've covered, we have all been there, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Let's not shame right? anyone.
1: <laughs> they just have really good friends that don't talk about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I Honestly, the reason these women are so successful is because they have friends that were like, shit, this bitch just pissed herself. We got this. And they rallied and they like carried her drunk ass to her to right. like someone's couch and let her sleep it off, and gave they her. They changed some new her pants, pants first. Yeah yeah, 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 it was. They put down some plastic sheets. It was right, fine, just in case. but that's what women need to be successful. You need your friends that will be there for you even when you piss your pants. Yep, <laughs> true story.
1: All right, are we ready to whine about women?
0: Yeah, uh, who's Me. first? You. Oh, thank God. <laughs> She's like, I did the intro.
1: I'm not ready yet. Yeah. Um. So today, uh, on recommendation to cover more egg woman women from our friend double e what's up double e um i'm whining about alice evans i
0: love that name by the way well alice i knew you loved the name well alice. yeah but alice evans it sounds it's simple succinct and classy
1: there's apparently um because when i went to like researcher if you just google alice evans there's a, a apparently a british american actress with that name mm. don't know what she's been in didn't look into it because I was like, this isn't who I want.
0: I thought you were going to say there was a murderer because that was the uh, the issue I had with Ruth Ellis. There was a Ruth Ellis who was a lesbian uh, equal murderer? rights advocate. <laughs> no. Oh. The lesbian was the good person. And then there was blonde boyfriend murderer Ruth Ellis. Oh. Who granted got kind of a bad rap, but. Yeah, that sounds And I co- I covered both of them. Look up the episode, uh, The Other Ruth Ellis, to hear about the murderer. Oh, that's right. Because you covered yeah. one and then you covered the other. Because my research got so complicated. I'm like, whoa, these are not the same lady. What is happening?
1: <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, at least mine, like, it showed up right away on top. It was, like, American-British mm-hmm. actress. I'm like, that nope, that's I not what I want.
0: The, the, the sad part is that the Ruth Ellis, who wasn't a murderer... Did not show up first. I had to literally Google Ruth Ellis activist or Ruth Ellis not the murderer. (laughs) That's
1: not the murderer. Yeah, I had I had to Google uh, Alice Evans science. I think that's what I googled. You know, the things we do. Anyways, (laughs) so I'm covering Alice Evans. (laughs) So Alice was born on a farm in Neath, which is in Pennsylvania.
0: Okay. it's kind of a cute name. Immediately I was like, oh crap, are we in France? No, thank God. Linguistic butchery Um,
1: abounds. Her father's name was William Howell, who was a farmer and a land surveyor. And her mother's name was Anne, and she was a teacher, because what else are you going to do back in those days?
0: Didn't he get stuck on an island or something? William Howell? Yeah, they were supposed to go for a three-hour tour. (laughs) Was that the professor's name? No, it was the rich guy and his wife. (laughs) The house. Did I get that right? (laughs) Kelly's like, what? I know for a second. I'm like, "Uh, let me Google this. Gilligan's Island. For our listeners who are too young for even the
1: reruns, (laughs) so this, this was January 29th, 1881, when she was born. Um. So when Evans was young, she first was taught at home by her parents. I mean, her mom was a teacher, so it kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then would go on to attend a one-room schoolhouse in Neath, uh, where she would graduate or not
0: graduate, I guess, but like, matriculate.
1: Matriculate. She would go through the school, and she she was a really good student. Like she got earned top grades everywhere she went.
0: Did you ever do a one-room schoolhouse experience? As a kid. I think
1: we did like a day where we went to like a place where they like acted as, you know, as if it was back in like the 19th century. And yeah, we had like a day where we learned in a one room schoolhouse. It was kind
0: of cool. It was, we did the same thing and it was really cool because we'd done a whole unit leading up to it, learning about Mm -hmm. like how kids learned back then, like one room schoolhouses and this and that. And then we went for the experience and we were the students in the class. that's what we
1: did too. And
0: this is going to be one of those things I ramble about when I'm super old and my mind is completely gone, but I got called on to answer what the state bird of Illinois is. I still don't fucking know. Is it a robin? What? I could do and, Minnesota state bird. And you have to stand up and like address that. Mm-hmm. There, there's like a whole protocol for it, but I didn't know the answer. So I Cardinal. stood up and I, is it Cardinal? the Cardinal. Illinois? Yep. The Northern Cardinal. Northern Cardinal. All right. I'm going to commit that to memory. I'm going to show that one room schoolhouse teacher from like 20 years ago. I'm a smarty. But I stood up and I was absolutely terrified because I didn't know the answer. And I was just like, "Uh, uh." that's the time I almost pissed my pants. And this woman like gave me mercy. Yeah. She was like, if you don't know, you say, I don't know the answer and sit down. I'm like, I don't know the answer. (laughs) <laughs> <they're set down. laughs> and that's why I don't remember what it was because I was so like oh you mortified? remember is terrified I just like, remember being oh, terrified I funny. literally remember I was wearing a blue coat but I don't remember what the answer was. Uh.
1: <laughs> well, see the one thing that's different. Is that, like, an actual one-room schoolhouses? It wouldn't have just been, like, your class? is like, it was any grade. Like, yeah. Like, you know, it didn't matter like because Like, each row I was Yeah, it was insane. Yeah.
0: Also, she would have beat me for not Probably. knowing the answer. Probably. would have gotten, like, whipped <laughs> with a ruler. Yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> when they knew how to motivate a child. <laughs> right.
1: So, she would go on to... Uh, get scarlet fever kind of when that oh, big epidemic no. was going on in 1886, but her and her little brother Morgan both survived. So they both got it and survived. So that's oh, thank great. God!
0: Otherwise this would be just a really short, sad story. <laughs> One paragraph
1: done. She didn't do anything. She just died of scarlet
0: fever. Hey, you know what? They also deserve to be remembered. Okay. She would go on to, <clears throat>
1: she would go on to attend Susquehanna collegiate Institute in Tawanda. You'll say that sentence like six times. That's, no, um, where she, which is a high school, um, she would play on the women's basketball team and would, um, graduate with credentials to, well, I guess back then it probably wasn't credentials, but she would graduate and become a teacher because literally in her memoir, she writes that she became a teacher because it was the only profession open to women and she found it super fucking boring.
0: Yeah, we were. You were just talking about this, where it's like, yeah, if you were educated and wanted a job, you were a teacher or a nurse, and uh, if you don't like either of those, tough noogies.
1: Get married and pop out children. Tough titties. That's your other option. Yeah. Um, Also, I just want to say that she graduated from a class of seven people. Oh, my God. Yeah. So she taught for four years until her brother, um, the one that survived Scarlet Fever with her, um, told her about a two-year free course that Cornell University was offering for rural teachers um, on, like, the study of nature. And she was like, fuck, yeah, like, I hate being a teacher. Let's go (laughs) learn about nature. So she would go to Cornell University and do that two-year course. And while there and studying nature, she became really interested in science as, like, a whole. And so she attended the – she completed the two-year course and then actually stayed on at Cornell to complete a Bachelor of Science in Agriculture. She would go on to choose a relatively new field of bacteriology, which is, for people who don't know, the study of one-celled microorganisms. Or bacteria. Or bacteria. Okay,
0: I'm like...
1: That wasn't the answer I thought it was going to be. Um, But so that's what she chose, even though it was relatively new. Um, She was aided and able to stay in school due to a scholarship and a tuition waiver um, that underscored Cornell's um, commitment to training leaders for nation's agricultural industry. So back then, Cornell was really big on that. I don't know if they still are. I don't know much about Cornell. It was too expensive for me to go to.
0: All I know about Cornell is that Andy from the office went there and then never shut up about it. Mm.
1: I mean, it is... I
0: don't think it's like... It's what, an ivy. Is it? Is it I an think ivy it is. is. it a baby ivy? I don't know. Here's the thing. I never bothered to learn the ivies because I knew that was never, never going to happen. my reach. Yeah, no. exactly. And not even financially, even though that's part, of, like, that is the case. Like, intellectually, there's no way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, it is an ivy. Okay. And you know how I know that? From the fucking office. Oh, that's funny. Because <laughs> Andy never shut up about it.
1: So encouraged by her professor of bacteriology, particularly she was interested in dairy bacteriology at Cornell. um, She received a scholarship in bacteriology to go and study at the University of Wisconsin, which is actually where W works. So like it kind of fits that we went
0: to a UW school. Oh my god, that's what if you're gonna learn anything about dairy, Wisconsin's the place place to to do it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the scholarship she was awarded. To go to the University of Wisconsin had never before been awarded to a woman. So um, Alice was the first, which is mm-hmm. great. And in 1910, she did get a Master of Science in the um, in bacteriology. You know, it's one of those things that, like, you get the overarching degree and then you have, like, like I technically got, like, what is it? I got arts and, I didn't get an art. I got, I have a Bachelor of Science, but it's, like, yeah. Bachelor of Science dash psychology. Yes. <laughs> Um, but she, so she got her master's at the university from U UW, her professors actually really wanted her to continue on to get a doctoral degree, but she didn't really have the money to do so. Like, up till now she was basically on scholarships and yeah, you know, being a doctor for like getting a doctorate for a woman back then was not really a thing because getting a masters is barely a thing and like she was the first woman awarded that scholarship to, mm-hmm. you know so she's like i can't get a scholarship to continue my education and in this
0: in this burgeoning field exactly yeah.
1: so she would go on to con- like eventually a few years later continue her studies at George Washington University and the University of Chicago but she would never complete her phd um although she would eventually be awarded honorary doctorates yeah Because that's
0: what colleges do. Well, you know what? Like, to have a degree or to not have a degree is not a marker of your intelligence or your abilities. So
1: Alice uh, luckily was offered a federal position at the Dairy Division of the Bureau of Animal Industry, um, which is part of the United States Department of Agriculture. So she was offered a federal position, you know, and she was like, well, I can't go back to school. Might as well, like, do that. Don't want to be a teacher
0: again. Come on. (laughs) She immediately went back to a one-room schoolhouse and was like, by the way, there's bacteria in your milk, everyone. Deal Don't drink that. It. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> and by a complete stroke of luck, Alice was actually hired by um, a person named Professor E.G. Hastings, um, who was at the University of Wisconsin. So she was able to, like, stay where she was. And he was working on, um, he had a team of bacteriologists developing improved flavor for cheddar cheese because it's fucking Wisconsin.
0: Oh, my because god, because cheese is
1: one of Wisconsin's primary industries for people who don't know. Like,
0: we have the technology, we can make it taste exactly. better. <laughs> so, that's what she was working on. Six million dollar cheese. So,
1: technically, because this was a, a federal civilian serviced post, like sh- her job was like fairly protected, which was nice. Um, and like I said, this was for the U.S. Department of Agriculture's dairy division. And the reason she was working at UW was because space in, like, the Bureau's main offices in Washington, D.C., were still being built. So they, like, didn't have room for all these people doing these studies. So basically they reached out to, like, different agricultural stations that had the technology to do these experiments, generally at state universities. And the USDA basically, like, was paying everyone. Like, Mm -hmm. they, they paid the school and the researchers and everyone, um... And it was then, like and remote then, working. Yeah, and then the state provided the space, basically. So I thought that was kind of funny. So that's why she got to stay at UW for a while. Eventually, after the offices were finish it, finished, about three years into Evans doing this work, she did get to move out to Washington, D.C., continuing to work in the dairy division. She found herself to be the only woman scientist employed in that department. Wow and she she quickly found out that the washington staff was just absolutely shocked that the the state experimenters hired a woman like they were just they were like the fuck like and um like so she she completely accidentally became the first woman scientist to hold a permanent appointment in this office
0: you know it makes me think of i think it was frances perkins who uh she spelled her name F R A S S. And they thought it was a man. Yes, like in the masculine yeah, form. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and so they hired her thinking she was a man. But in and then this she showed like, up and they were like, uh, "Oh shit. Well, we can't say no now." But in this situation it's like they knew what they were doing. It wasn't like a whoopsie. But yeah, but it was you
1: know. like an like a you but know, it was external, exactly. Yeah. So when she came to like the main office, everyone was like, "The fuck?" <laughs> Um, she I would actually later recall in her memoirs that, quote, according to hearsay, when the bad news broke at a meeting of BAI officials that a woman scientist was coming to join their staff, they were filled with con- consternation. In the words of the stenographer who was present, they almost fell off their chairs.
0: I They're all clutching their pearls. Oh. They're jumping on chairs yelling, eek, a woman! Yep, like." right. Good grief! I think that's
1: so funny that the stenographer like noted that they all fell off their chairs. Like I, it's I think the stenographer was probably a woman, and yeah. Was like, she's, really,
0: guys? She's <laughs> like, good fucking god! They're not even wearing heels, and they can't keep their asses in their seats.
1: <laughs> so when Alice moved to Washington D.C., she started like she was already really interested in the ba- obviously the bacteria and milk, but she became interested in particular in the d- disease. Brucelliosis, and if I'm saying that wrong, I'm really sorry, but... She's not. She's not sorry at all. And its relationship to fresh unpasteurized milk. Okay. So that's where we're at. We're at unpasteurized milk. So her investigation focused, like I said, on the organism that was known as Bacillus abortus. Which was known to cause miscarriages in animals, particularly in cows. Okay, um, she learned that the microbe thrived in infected cows as well as other animals that would appear healthy. So, like, there was you know sick cows, and then there was the carriers that had it. They like weren't asymptomatic. Sick. Exactly. Her early reports hypothesized that since the bacteria was found in cows' milk, it could possibly be a threat to human health as well,
0: because we drink
1: it, right? Like so that makes sense. Valid. So she decided. Um, to investigate this. She was like, okay, this is what I'm going to dedicate myself to because obviously, like, this could pose a huge threat. So her, she started, you know, she... She looked at particularly something that was called undulate fever in humans, and she was like, I'm pretty sure that is what is, like, it's the same bacteria. I think that's what's, like, it's being caused by cow's milk. She would go on to report her findings to the Society of American Bacteriologists in 1917 and publish, like, her big, like, paper on it to the Journal of Infectious Diseases in 1918.
0: It's a good day to be lactose intolerant for me, Kelly. Yeah, right? I'm just going to say that right now. No, all
1: milk (laughs) in America is pasteurized Yeah. Um, so during this time, like while Alice was researching this, um, little knowledge of like raw milk and the bacteria and the diseases it caused was known. And so Alice's uh, discoveries were super controversial um, because she she basically found that Bacillus abortus is a bacterium that affects cattle and causes, as I said, spontaneous abortions and that it also it is the same as M. melanin. Tensis, which is um another disease that is highly contagious between animals and can affect humans okay so she found that yes like the drinking unpasteurized milk that could come from cows that are sick and don't show it mm-hmm. can get humans sick so she found this she published it and before this before alice came out with this paper scientists thought that the two bacteria weren't even related they were mm-hmm. like no like whatever like it's completely different, and um, like I said, she she showed that not only were they related, but they were able to move between animals and humans, which isn't always the case. Like, there's a lot of diseases that your dog can get that you can't,
0: even and, if they lick like, you versa. in the face. You yeah, know, like. yeah. So uh, when she, I'm just gonna say immediately when you said that these bacteria were not recognized as being related. Just for my visual and not scientifically um, polished mind, I was like, well, yeah, there's one bacteria over here and then it's the same bacteria, but he's wearing like glasses <laughs> with a mustache, <laughs> you know, like the big nose and everything. Like, yeah, no, they're not the same. Look, they're totally, they're different. totally
1: different. That one has a mustache. That, one is glasses. Par-
0: that one's parting its hair to the left and that one's parting it to the right. They're right? completely that unrelated. That one has a <laughs> cowlick. Look.
1: <laughs> so obviously when she published her paper, she was met with. In a nice term, skepticism. <laughs> Particularly, you know, part of it was because she was a woman. She didn't have a PhD. But it wasn't just, like, everyone got on her back. Researchers, veterinarians, physicians. Everyone was like, mm. Big milk. Because they thought, um, like, so she said, obvi- like, so it's called z- zoonotic when it causes symptoms in both animals and humans. Okay. And so, like, all these people were like, no, like there's no way that this disease is transferring from cows to humans. Like there were two completely different species. It's not a thing. Uh,
0: No is in the word zoonotic. So no. No. (laughs) There's Um, my science for you. And so
1: not only was it the researchers and veterinarians and, and physicians, but like the dairy profession as like a whole was like raw milk shouldn't be pasteurized. Like it, like it, it's fine. Like we've been drinking it for ages. Like basically since we, you know, since we, discovered cows I don't know yeah. if that's the right term since
0: since one since we man, started milking cows since one person was brave enough to put their mouth on a cow's teeth yeah, exactly. just start sucking I don't know what they were trying to do but we're all just grateful that happened right <laughs> and like even though she was met with
1: skepticism she continued warning that raw milk should be pasteurized to protect people from not only that the disease she discovered but like other diseases that were probably in it as well um and it even went so far as like dairy farmers started accusing her of scheming with companies that produce pasteurizing equipment. Like and they were like, No, you're just getting paid off to say this.
0: It's the big milk conspiracy. Yeah, exactly. Like, like all I can hear is like big milk doesn't want you to know.
1: Um so I have like a slightly longer quote in here that was written by um Alice's or the author the author of her obituary in the Washington Post. This is what this is what it said about the discovery. So it says, quote one of the most outstanding uh, discoveries in the field of medical science in the first quarter of the century, but it was years before her findings were accepted by the scientific establishment and action taken. The, um, the attitude of, of Evans' colleagues, as written about in the, the... There's a book called Men Against Death. So, like, <laughs> this is all part of the same quote. So, as written about in Men Against Death, they said, quote, if Evans were right... Somebody much more outstanding than Evans would have run into it long ago. Such is the silliness of scientists. Oh my god! Like that's what that's what, that's what he's saying. Like other like male scientists were saying, they're like, why would a woman discover this? Like if this was true, like some guy who's better than her would have discovered it before.
0: Okay, can I just say though the whole idea that like, well, if this existed, someone would have already figured it out. It's like, then why are there scientists? If we already know everything, a and there is nothing new to learn, just fucking discovered everything. Yeah, there was there. It was the same guy that started sucking on a cow's teat. He was so, like, he's, "I am science." Yeah. He, he sucked <laughs> once and was like, "Guys, this this shit will make you sick." Also, also, uh, we revolve around the sun, motherfuckers. This milk has given me all of the knowledge in the world. Right, we're floating on a turtle's back through space, so.
1: Alice actually pointed out herself, um, quote, considering the close relationship between these two organisms and the reported frequency of virulent strains of bacterium abortus and cow's milks, it, se- it would seem remarkable that we do not have a disease closely resembling malta fever in this country. So malta fever is like the human variant mm-hmm. of it. And hold on. I had, I had a link and my link broke. <laughs> so malta fever is this back, um, disease caused by this bacteria. Um, and it is basically you, it's like joint and muscle pain, fever, severe weight loss, fatigue. You might get like belly pain or cough. And it's one of those diseases that, yeah, you can treat it with antibiotics, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like herpes. It's always there. And so you might like, it might like come and go. And so you might just get like recurrent bouts of it. So Mm -hmm. that kind of sucks, you know? So like, she was really surprised. She's like, I thought I'd see more of it. And doctors would eventually find out that there were a lot of cases of it in the U S and they just hadn't realized it because a lot of the like, In mild forms, a lot of times they attributed it to um, influenza instead, so they misdiagnosed it, while severe cases were often misdiagnosed as tuberculosis, typhoid fever, or malaria. You know, like the other big diseases, they were like, well, the symptoms are- kind of similar I guess and you know they were like well it can't be malta fever so it's this instead it was well and like
0: how many how many serious illnesses involve like vomiting and headaches and all those all those other symptoms where it's like food poisoning like I don't know exactly
1: like it's absolutely insane exactly like people are just like oh yeah like it it can't be this so it's this
0: I also I want to just go back one second to when you, you were talking about where it's like, but well, we've been drinking unpasteurized cow's milk for ages and nothing bad has happened where it's like, hasn't it though? I know, right? Like, and just because, like, why wouldn't you want to make something better and right? safer? Like, I know. I don't know. People- we also used to like not wear shoes and- Fucking hike up mountains with nary a deer skin affixed to our loins. Like, come on, there's a better way to do certain
1: things. (laughs) That's funny. So, ironically, or maybe not ironically, in for us at least, like as this podcast, like it said ironically, and so I kept it in there, but I was like, I don't think it's ironic. Yeah. But one of Alice's most. Venomous oppositions came from another bacteriologist named Theobald Smith, of course.
0: Theobald. Like, of course, it's some
1: guy being like, no, you're a woman and you're fucking wrong. So he had been one of the first scientists to discover um, the bacteria in the milk. Like, so mm-hmm. he was the one that was like, I found this bacteria. Like, look at this bacteria. And he did he had originally warned about his health implications, but he was just like, it can't treat like it's." It, he had warned against like the health implications in cows and then it was like, well, maybe it's in humans, but like, because you know, a woman actually discovered the connection. He was like, no, it's not that bad. Like, and so he like vehemently opposed her. And she just kind of like kept battling this criticism. She was like, no. And you know, because she was facing it from the scientific community and the dairy industry, she started beginning to doubt her own work. And she actually, like, for a good, like, four years or so, just completely, like, abandoned it. She was just like, no. You know, she's like, fine. If nobody believes me, like, maybe I am wrong. Whatever. This
0: makes me think of Rachel Carson, where it was like, you know, everyone was like, no. And so she's like, I guess maybe not. Um, oh,
1: so during those years that she kind of was just like, fine, whatever, um, she decided to help with the war effort because this is in the early, this is World War One, okay, kinda toward the end of World War One. She joined the United States Public Health Service in 1918, but like early 1918, so it's still during World War One, but yeah. it's, it's wrapping up, you know. And she would conti- uh, contribute to the field of infectious illnesses, studying particularly uh, meningitis and influenza because they were affecting our soldiers real, real bad. Yeah. Um. And so she was working for a place called Hygenetic Hi- Laboratories, which I'm like... That sounds super fancy <laughs> for 1918. I'm like, hygiene. I'm like, yeah, that, that. yep. <laughs> um. She also discovered during that time that she was... Like it was during her research. So it was after the war, which she was still working with infectious diseases, diseases. And she identified herself as being uh, infected with, um, undulate or Malta fever. So this disease that she had been, um, studying in cows. Oh my
0: God.
1: And she found out like, apparently like many patients completely like it was undetected for months, which was super common. Cause again, mm-hmm. it was often misdiagnosed or, liking cows sometimes you didn't have symptoms for a long time and then you'd get a bout of it and then it would like a flare and up. then it would go away and then yeah and then it would come back like I said like herpes god damn um it's cow herpes as I said she completely identified it by entirely by accident because she was comparing her own blood against that of a sick assistant and then she realized like they both had the same markers and she was like well
0: they were shit. both wearing glasses and mustaches
1: Um, and at the time this was an incurable disease. I actually don't know. I like, it sounds like it's still like you can treat it with antibiotics, but it still might come back. Yeah. Like, so it's still, I would say incurable, but there's stuff to like help the flare ups. Um, but she would go on to basically suffer from flare ups of this disease for the next 20 years. Oh my God. I know it's terrible. So Coming into the ni- 1920s, uh, Alice's theories about brucellosis and raw cow's milk were re- actually starting to gain traction and be accepted internationally, not just in the U.S. Because mm-hmm. there were microbiologists in Holland, Austria, Italy, Germany, Tunisia, and like a bunch of other countries that like were like, yeah, nope, we're finding the exact same thing. And l- like luckily, like they were all like they were confirming her findings. They yeah. weren't just like, guys, I found this new thing. Holland's like first <laughs> and, and people are like, no, no. Um, so Alice would actually, that's when she would kind of start getting back into her research. Cause she was like, okay, see, I wasn't wrong. Okay. We're good. And so she would start expanding on her research and she started studying the blood of people who were ill with this disease. Um, she actually started gaining help from people in the U S such as a man named Do- Dr. Walter Simpson in Ohio, and he would go on to help her trace 70 causes of und- undulate fever in the Rock House mouth. So she, he was like, oh, look at all these different cases. Like, here's where they're occurring. And he had, she had another helper named Dr. Charles Carpenter who would go on to identify cases in Ithaca, New York. So, like, she had these, you know, kind of like the CDC does now where they're like, okay, here's a point of origin. and Here's all these people that were sick. Yeah. So, like, she had people helping it. And she would go on to write another paper defending her work which would be presented at the World Dairy Congress in 1923. Unfortunately, or maybe maybe this time actually ironically, she was too sick with a flare-up of undulate fever to attend this conference so somebody else had to read her paper.
0: Fucking bullshit. Right. Are you kidding me? Also, how frustrating would it be to be like,
1: so I'd be sitting in my hospital room or at home or wherever I was being like, fuck you. But like,
0: okay. first of all, there is an issue with women not being believed for like having illnesses or that their symptoms are not serious or that they're. Emotionally she's caused, yeah, stuff like that. And but then she's working, like she's doing this work. She's identified this link between this bacteria found in cows and disease that people are getting who drink unpasteurized right. milk. Everyone is all up in her business, being like, "You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong." And. To the point where even she's like, shit. Maybe I maybe am I am wrong, wrong
1: right? Like, 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 how can
0: I be the only right person amongst you know countless right, experts like, who are even, all telling me I'm full of shit,
1: right? Like, even the guy who found the bacteria was saying I was full of shit. So yeah. clearly, maybe I am. Like, I know it's it's heartbreaking. And then
0: she gets the condition that she was warning everyone about, right? And then finally, people start believing her, and she's too sick to like, to like talk about. Have I know her moment. I'm just like, ugh. Good God, this is so, there's like so much gaslighting in this, like the disease is gaslighting (laughs) her, the people are gaslighting her. You see
1: that a lot, especially in like female scientists back in the day, like it's so, like you said, the racial Carson, like it's so heartbreaking. So obviously, finally, Alice's um, assertions were accepted and pasteurization, which is for those who don't know, because they still don't do it in some countries, is the heat treating of milk to kill potentially disease harboring bacteria. So we heat our milk up. Um, Became standard practice, at least in the American dairy industry. I didn't dive into if other countries have done it or not. Um,
0: Just Google Louis Pasteur. He's the guy that came up with pasteurization, oh, yeah.
1: Louis Pasteur. Louis Pasteur in my country. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just see. Um, so became, like I said, at least a standard practice in the American uh, dairy industry. Although apparently it's becoming a thing to not pasteurize milk anymore. There are some places that are like, unpasteurized milk. And I'm like, guys, you're going to get sick and die.
0: Um, I, I don't understand what the harm in not pasteurizing it is. Well, but-
1: it's, you can catch these diseases.
0: He, no, 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 oh, no, no, what sorry, the harm sorry. in
1: pasteurizing no. is?
0: Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I think I said not pasteurizing. You did. i meant like,
1: Emily, you can get diseases. No,
0: no. <laughs> it like, it, is, it, is it part of this whole like, no, like from nature, yeah, like eat is. the grass in your backyard. It definitely is. I, You know what? I'm all for organic, healthy, like not frankenstein food but but i'm sorry if they
1: can prove like hey this can get you super sick i'm fine with them heating it up for me yeah
0: like why not and that's not just because if i drink milk i might actually die because i haven't had it in over a decade Mm. i eat ice cream and stuff
1: again like sparingly
0: but yeah i don't drink milk actually okay so if you're lactose intolerant the more liquid that the dairy you're intaking is means the more lactate yeah the, there's like a has. thing you
1: can like you can like google like how bad it is for a lactose intolerant yeah and it, it yeah, has so like a like thing Cheese,
0: yeah. not that bad ice cream not great milk no terrible yeah exactly. <laughs> and I,
1: I i'm justin my husband is lactose intolerant. And yeah, like, I've noticed that, like, it really, like, cheese, he can eat a cheese pizza and he's fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, ice cream, it depends on the ice cream. And how much. Exactly. Like, and yeah, like, we don't drink milk in this house. But like, when he does, it's not good. I'm going to get
0: you a sign for your front <laughs> door that just says, we don't drink milk in this house. I would be okay with that. So that when the anti-pasteurization people come with their little white shirts and black ties. can just ties, like, we don't drink any milk in this house. We don't drink milk in this house. Almonds and soy forever. Right.
1: So once, <laughs> um... America changes practices to pasteurization. Um, undulate fever or malta fever did, they did notice a, a significant drop in cases in the US. Huh, huh, huh. Huh? huh. Yeah. That's so.
0: That's so interesting. How that just happened out of nowhere.
1: And of course, Alice went from being ridiculed to being honored. And actually, she became so respected in her field that a lot of her colleagues called her doctor, even without her having the degree. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they were like making up for it. Like they were yeah. like, "We didn't believe you, but no, 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 you're super smart,
0: doctor Alice." I, I hope that every time she walked into a room, she just went like, "I told you so. I told you so. Ah, I, I, I told right? you, she you just so. Had like this I told boom you box. so." Mm-mm, mm-mm. That, that was her
1: like entrance music in yeah. any room. She um, takes a mic and just chucks it across the room. <laughs> so in 1927, unfortunately, again in the hospital from suffering a bout of her Malta fever, no. Alice learned that she had been elected president of the American <gasps> Bacteriologists Society. She was the first woman ever awarded that honor.
0: I I totally thought you were gearing up to say she died, and no, I was just, just like, like, no, 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 stop, no,
1: no, stop! It was a good thing. She was elected president. <laughs> she just. Was in the hospital at the time. Um, and she would go on to hold that position for quite a while. She would also go on to serve on committees on infectious abortion. So like. This an infection disease, causing. Yep. So it was this an organism to have an abortion. And yeah. other diseases. Yep. Um, which was part of the National Research Council. And she was also a delegate in the International Microbiology Congresses, both in Paris and in London.
0: Yeah, fancy. So she's sitting at the bistro springtime in Paris with my fictional cherry blossoms. Yeah, and with drinking, the butterfly landing yeah, on her glass. Drinking frégile. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, Alice, even though, like, you know, once she got this really successful, like, fuck you to all her colleagues. <laughs> um, she continued to be fascinated with infectious diseases. And... Uh, later in her career, she would go on to study stre- streptococcal infection or strep throat. Nasty. Um, it also causes scarlet fever, which I actually oh, didn't know. I
0: didn't know that either. Um, it's
1: from the same bacteria, apparently. Um, so she the, she studied that. Like obviously, she, she didn't find anything like super remarkable, but she helped with like the breakthroughs on strep throat and scarlet fever. Um, she would that must on- have been kind of
0: vindicating because she <laughs> and her brother suffered from scarlet it. fever. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, she had
1: gone to retire from the National Institute of Health in nineteen forty five after serving eleven years as its president. Oh my God. Yep, throughout her career, Alice was active in a number of organizations, such as the American Academy of Microbiology, the American Association of Advancement of Science, the Washington Academy of Sciences, and basically anything like involved in sciences yeah. she was a part of. um. She retired in 1945, although she would still remain professionally active. Um, She stopped doing research in 1945. Um, She would go on to donate her collection of papers and various research that she had done to the National Library of Medicine in 1969. And throughout her retirement, she became a popular speaker, especially with women's groups, obviously. Mm -hmm. like She was like, you know shit happens and we got to push through it. So, so a lot of the lectures she would give to women in particular was about career development, pursuing scientific careers, even against like all these odds. She would actually go on to make headlines again in 1966 because she would file the suit against the U.S. government. <gasps> so um, when she was applying for Medicare in her old age, she was unwilling to sign an oath disavowing communist loyalties because apparently oh, that was a thing you used to have to do. Yeah. So at the time, the law prevented those with communist affiliations from receiving benefits. She was represented by Lawrence. I'm not saying she was a communist. It didn't say one way or the other, it, but it, she wouldn't
0: disavow their, their he, belief. Here's the thing. The, the whole idea of like signing a loyalty oath to your country or even like a... I definitely hate this group. I'd be like, ah, this feels gross. Mm. I hate that shit. And I feel like probably
1: as a scientist, she was like, "Uh, I'm not going to stand like solidly on one side of the fence or another because you, you know, everything's okay. The
0: world is my beaker.
1: Right. So she was represented by Lawrence Spizer of the American Civil Liberties Union. And Alice um, charged or said- that the disclaimer was unconstitutional and it violated her right of free speech and association as guaranteed by the first amendment. The suit was eventually dismissed by the U S district court. And Alice was awarded her benefits without ever having to sign the oath.
0: Yeah. It like, I I hate, I don't like the idea that, Oh, you have to sign an oath to get your government mandate benefits.
1: Yeah. Um, Cause It's like it's the whole like separation of church and state and blah 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 blah. And like, there's just a whole lot of things that go into like saying, just being like, no, I'm 100% against communist ideals and I will never have any association with anyone that likes communist ideals. It's like, no, well,
0: and you know, that, that was during a time where they were really going it was after the red scare, yeah, and and the lavender scare. And like, they <laughs> were going, oh, they that were just going, sounds so much calmer, like except the lavender except scare. it wasn't, I know, to, yeah, but you
1: know what I mean, like. The red scare just actually, like, kind of sounds scary, whereas
0: the lavender scare.
1: Yeah, I know. They were... We could do a whole like sub-episode on just that shit. There could
0: literally be an entire... I bet there is a podcast oh, series 100%. about the Lavender Scare. For anyone that doesn't know, that was uh, in conjunction with the Red Scare. It was how they were uh, identifying and removing people, LGBTQ plus yeah, ca- people bad. from it was government bad. and outing them. It was, it was really, really It was awful. like
1: communists are terrible and LGBTQ plus people are terrible it, th- at th- the th- same time. They were
0: like, oh, it's, it's the same thing. Yeah. And then the Red we're Scare just- was <laughs> also used to demonize civil other civil rights groups regardless it it was like
1: anyone from like any communist state like if you were Russian if you were I'm trying to think who else was communist at that time I think like Italy and like any of those like Italy was communist under Mussolini for a while yeah, you're um, right. But, like, basically they used the Red Scare, yeah, to do civil groups, anyone that came from countries that were communist. Anyone, anyone they that identi- didn't like. Exactly. It was, it was it really was just anyone one of those things. you
0: didn't like. It was
1: terrible. Um, so, Alice would go on to suffer a stroke at the age of 94 Damn. and would die on September 5th, 1975. Her tombstone reads, quote, the gentle hunter, having pursued and tamed her quarry, crossed over to a new home. End quote.
0: That is, that is beautiful. beautiful. I know. I
1: like read that and I'm like, oh, it gives me chills. Like- oh,
0: and uh, that that's so fitting because she really pursued this like connection between the cow bacteria and the disease being found in humans. Right. And even when literally everyone was telling her she was wrong... She's like, "No." And I mean, there there was doubt, and I think that's a really important part of the story because some of these women we cover, they're just like, "I don't really care what you say, I know I'm right and good for them, but to doubt ourselves and to have, have I, enough humility to be like, I could right. be wrong, let me like go and back I feel and like check that's this." Human nature. That's very human. We all go through it, and to hear about someone as amazing as alice evans also going through like a four-year period of like shit maybe I'm she was like wrong. I, I,
1: well and like stepping back from it yeah like because i feel like as humans that's kind of what we do we're like i'm doubting myself i'm just gonna i'm gonna step away well, i'm gonna get was, some perspective she was being like kind of Guess? ripped a no, new one she, like and like you said she was being like
0: gaslighted yeah but i, I i'm glad that that part of the story has survived because it's very human. It's very relatable. And it's like, right. yeah, even that's Alice why Evans had her it. had her moments. It's
1: kind of like how we include all the bad stuff. Like mm-hmm. even including just the doubt.
0: That, yeah, you the know. weak moments.
1: So legacy. First is my TLDR or too long didn't read. Too <laughs> long didn't listen. TLDL. TLDL. Yeah. Um, so obviously, as I said, her work in bacteria of the bacteria of milk led to groundbreaking work. Um, that could that she determined could cause both spontaneous abortions in animals and remittent fever in humans, and led to the pasteurization of milk. Yay! Yay. In the U.S., um, so da, da, da. she was also awarded. So this is my little badass. What do we call Fitch it? And bullet, and bullet list. Bullet list. <laughs> so she was awarded an honorary degree in medicine from the Women's Medical College of Pennsylvania an honorary doctorate in science from the University of Wisconsin-Madison and Wilson College. She was the honorary president of the Inter-American Committee on Brucellus from 1945 to 1957. She was an honorary member of the American Society of Microbiology in 1975, which was the same year she died. I was like, it the year after? And then she was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame in 1993.
0: Yay! Of Seneca Falls, yo.
1: Right. So obviously, like, I feel like I don't even have to do a legacy. Like, she did so much and she yeah. led to, you know, not only new work in uh bacteriology, but like, you know, helping people and making sure people don't get sick. All while she was suffering from the disease she was trying to prevent. Ugh,
0: that part, I'm like, it's, it's almost poetic well, and how also, sad it, that like is. It makes
1: me wonder, I'm like, okay, did she get it from, like, drinking milk, or did she get it because she was, like, isolating this bacteria and working with it, and maybe, like, Were safety precautions not up to snuff yet? Like, you know, I just, I have questions that will never be answered because no one probably knows. It's
0: very Marie Curie and like this, this legacy of scientists who suffer from what they're studying. Don't carry
1: radium around in your pocket.
0: Yeah. That's, that's our PSA for today. That's one of three. Yeah. Watch out for black minivans with red flashing lights. Don't carry radium and be super careful when you're studying bacteria. All right, Emily, who were you whining about today? Okay, so I just have a content warning because there is going to be some serious linguist- linguistic... <laughs> See, already. Linguistic butchery. Linguistic butchery because the woman I am covering is from the Hawaiian Islands Ooh. or the Kingdom of Hawaii.
1: The Kingdom of Hawaii? Yeah, before I don't think it was the state. I don't think it's known as that anymore. No,
0: it's not. It, it's a state, but this is before that. Um, So I am, co- I am whining about... Ka'ahumanu, or the feathered mantle, which is what her name means.
1: Ooh, I like that.
0: I do, too. They're really into feathers, which I'm like, I get it. Feathers are dope and dramatic. So Ka'ahumanu was born on March 17th, 1768, 223 years before Kelly was born. Yeah! Yeah! Uh, So she was born in Hanan on the Hawaiian island of Maui, specifically in... Pu Kauiki Cave. Say it again. Pu Kauiki Cave. I totally thought she was gonna be like, "No, fuck you, Kelly." <laughs> uh, so she was born in a cave, literally born in a cave.
1: I mean, for the time period, that's not like
0: super shocking. Yeah, but there, there's a reason for that. Oh. So Kaahumanu was born into some serious drama. Her father, Kiaomoku. Hei Pa'ahiyahi was a fuchi- fugitive ali'i or noble. So he had helped his relative Kamehameha the first ascend to Hawaii's throne and served as his prime minister like later on. But mm. he, he, was, he was a noble and he was a big deal and he would become a bigger deal later. Her mother, Namahana, was the widowed queen of the late king of Maui, who was also her half-brother.
1: Yeah, that's a thing back then.
0: Uh, That's just like a royalty thing, I feel. Like back then and just royalty in general, they're all marrying each other. This meant Ka'ahumanu had blood connections to past kings of Maui and Kamehameha I because he was her father's cousin. Mm -hmm. So there is a lot of shit going down with the nobility of the Hawaiian Islands. Ka'ahumanu's father rival and Namahana's brother Kili nui ahumanu was he was not happy about his sister's marriage and set out to kill Kiyamoku. So, he's like, sister, I don't like the dude you married, so I'm going to kill him. The couple, wow. yeah, so the couple went on the run, which is why they had their daughter in a cave. They were hiding yeah, okay, from her uncle. Yeah, that makes sense. Her uncle. <laughs> To commemorate this terrifying time in their lives though they named their daughter kaahumanu partly after their pursuer which i you know i mean that's a thing it's i'm kind not, of almost like a fuck you to the pursuer. i'm not gonna tell you how to process your yeah. familial trauma drama so kaahumanu's prospects began looking up when her father aligned himself with kamehameha the first who became king and when Ka'ahumanu was only 13 years old, her father arranged for her to marry Kamehameha, uh, and she became one of his many wives. And this is this was um, a way to not only secure power for her, but also his family and reinforce his allegiance because he basically became the prime minister for Kamehameha. So he, like, was a huge fucking deal. So instead of getting lost in the shuffle with Kamehameha and all of his, like, other wives, Ka'ahumanu became his father, favorite wife which meant she was also the most powerful oh. excuse me while i form my finger pyramid of contemplation mm-hmm. and power she advised kamehameha in political matters and served as counsel to him when he waged war to unite the hawaiian islands. so at this time each of the islands were their own kingdoms like there was the king of maui there is the king of Kauai, there there is the king of hawaii like all of that <laughs> And Kamehameha's like, all these islands are close enough. I'm just going to make them all one deal.
1: Yeah, why not? And
0: uh, I'm going to make y'all do this with me. <laughs> so upon his death in 1819, Kamehameha declared that Ka'ahumanu would rule as co-regent with his 22-year-old son, who took the the name Kamehameha II? And I, this was kind of like a, a typical pattern. Like that was not his name. You but see, you it would, in
1: like Egyptian royalty, yeah, yeah, you and stuff would like
0: take you would change your name when you took the throne or adopt the name of the previous ruler to signify like power, legacy, and also just kind of like, yeah, we're, we're, we're I'm just as good. So if you were cool with him, you're cool with me. So. At least that's what Kaahumanu said, her late husband said. Hmm. But she was like, hey, he's dead, and also he wants me to be co-regent. I don't think she was necessarily making it up because he clearly trusted her and in my you know, took her opinion and her thoughts seriously. Clearly. But everywhere I read it, it said that she said that the late king's wish was, and I'm like, that seems like it's on purpose. <laughs> the late King's Council agreed that Ka'ahumanu would rule as co-regent and appointed her, Kuhina Nui, the equivalent of a prime minister. So like EFD, big fucking deal. Well, normally a regent ruler would step down once the rightful heir was ready to fully take power, Ka'ahumanu's power uh, only grew and she actually remained the queen regent throughout Kamehameha II's reign (laughs) and Kamehameha III's reign.
1: Clearly, I think they just liked her.
0: Yeah, no, she's she's a bad bitch, and you did not want to mess with her. So she's like co ruling with three kings. Because I would almost argue she's co ruling with Kamehameha the first because she's like
1: kind of yeah his
0: right hand gal. Kaahumanu was incredibly progressive for her time. Not only was she running the show, but she championed gender equality. Ooh. We always love to see that. We do. She worked with the high priest and other allies to abolish the kapu, which was a Hawaiian code of conduct that was taken incredibly seriously. And breaking a kapu could mean death. So it was these different like rules and laws on how to govern yourself and how society needed to be set up and everyone needed to behave in it. So some of these rules dictated how men and women could interact, such as men and women not being able to eat at the same table there were also certain foods that were forbidden for women to eat yeah,
1: for like one gender or the other. Yeah.
0: So, and this included most types of bananas. There were like two types of bananas <sighs> any, that women any could any eat. Phallic I'm thing. like, okay, first of all, you think the guys would just love to see a woman gobbling down a banana. Come on guys. Um, it was actually the two varietals that were the most phallic that they were allowed to eat. <laughs> I don't there you know. Go. I don't know if that's true, but the, yeah, they couldn't eat most <laughs> kinds of bananas. They couldn't eat pork. And they couldn't eat coconuts. Where I'm like, you were living in Hawaii. If I'm thinking of food, bananas, pork, and coconuts. Are you kidding me? Yeah,
1: because they did have a lot of, like, wild boars. Yeah.
0: Ka'ahumanu teamed up with one of her sister wives to dine at the same table with the king. And this was normally a capital offense. So some of these kapu were so serious where if you broke it- You died. Yeah, they would literally put you to death. But the king refused to kill her. He's like- King's like, damn, she hot. (laughs) Well, it's her her son first of all. Well, in that yeah, but uh, also she she was just she was very powerful. She was really wise. It was one like, of the things not like, gonna, I'm not going to fucking kill it's her. It's almost like
1: if you kill her, you're going to end up with more problems. Yeah, than like, she's creating. Like
0: in the Reddit thread, he's the asshole. Yeah, <laughs> am I the asshole? Yes. So with the high priest's help, her considerable power, and the monarch refusing to follow the kapu and kill her, Kaahumanu effectively abolished these rules, which Good. was a really big deal. Yeah. This bad bitchery probably wasn't for the sake of gender equality, though. She wasn't just like it was
1: it was honestly probably pretty selfish.
0: By eliminating rules that oppressed her gender, Ka, Ahumanu made herself even more powerful, and also exactly. eliminated barriers to her, like getting shit done yeah, and asserting her own power. It's not for all
1: women; it's for her, and like, it just
0: happens to help all women. It helps all women, but she's but it was also a really savvy political move. Oh yeah, she's which a I almost bad. bad I bitch. almost respect that a little more. Like ah, oh, she's like thinking the big game, you know? Right. That's amazing. Um. Uh, speaking of bad bitches though, Ka Ahumanu did not always play nice. Mm. The Island of Kauai had been the last holdout in Kamehameha, the first efforts to unite the Hawaiian islands. So this was her husband. And when he waged war to unite all the islands, one of, them, one of yeah. her husbands, no, no. He was the only husband. She was one of many wives. Oh,
1: I thought she she got married. No, because that's right. Everyone, every ruler since then has been her child or her child's child. She's
0: co-regent. So she's ruling with them. But that doesn't necessarily mean she got married. Okay. I get that now. So her husband was trying to unite the Hawaiian Islands. Kauai was like, nah, bro. After he, but they, you know, they did it. After Kamehameha I the first died Ka'ahumanu feared that the island's ruler Kumula I'i would use his death as an opportunity to break away from the kingdom because he was the one that was super like "Mm -mm, Like, I I don't want to be part of this anyways yeah Yeah. there's a lot of tension so to prevent this Ka'ahumanu took the most sensible course of action in 1821 she kidnapped the king and forced him to marry her (laughs)
1: Wow, you don't hear of women doing that very often. What?
0: I flipped it on him. Yeah, <laughs> like,
1: right? He didn't expect that.
0: <laughs> so Ii, excuse me, uh, he died only a few years later in 1824. Under suspicious circumstances. I couldn't find anything about that, so, yes. but <laughs> it's weird. I mean, marriage. It's hard. <laughs> it's a thing. But this prompted his son to rebel against the kingdom oh. now. Naturally, Ka'ahumanu defeated the rebellion and then forcibly married one of the other sons. Oh, okay. I was like. So yeah, the I king guess. of the king of Kauai, she kidnapped him and forcibly married him. He died. And then one of the princes of Kauai was like, we're rebelling. She shuts that rebellion down. And then marries and then one marries of his brothers. The brother. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It, it's a little complicated. But yeah. I get it. But, you know, it's like, hey, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. <laughs>
1: but I'm like, what Clearly is Clearly the forcible marriage thing works. Apparently.
0: Ka'ahumanu not only maintained a united Hawaii, but she also brokered relationships with other nations. She helped negotiate the first treaty between uh, the Kingdom of Hawaii and the United States in 1826. And this opened up trade relations between the two nations. That's amazing. That's a pretty big deal. During this time, the Hawaiian Islands were being influenced by Europeans and obviously United States, which also meant they were exposed to Christianity thanks to missionaries that were spread in more than the word of God. A smallpox, <coughs> other things. In April of 1824, Ka'ahumanu announced that she had converted to Protestantism, oh. which is a sect under the christian umbrella banner. <laughs> yeah, the christian banner. And, and she also encouraged everyone else to like become protestant. She's like, "Protestantism is dope. Let's so way do to this, go, bitches." Yeah. Uh, she also re- replaced the kapu that she had effectively abolished with laws that reflected christian values and like kind of followed the 10 commandments. I mean, that's not a terrible thing per it se. It super depends, yeah, but, but- But uh, this became Hawaii's first codified set of laws. Wow. Which is insane. Like, damn. Yeah. She did that. (laughs) When she was baptized on December 5th, 1825, which is tomorrow. Oh. As of this recording. So two days ago as of the release. Yeah.
1: No, because we release on the 6th, so it'll be...
0: Oh, the day so it's before. It's tomorrow
1: for the day we're recording, yes. and yesterday for the day
0: that you're maybe listening to. We're bookending this. We are mo- momentous date. Um, she adopted the Christian name Elizabeth. Hmm. I refuse to call her that, though. No, I practiced way too hard saying ka'ahumanu. like it I was actually really like second that nature name, though, to too. me to use the name Elizabeth. <laughs> um. Kauai O Church was built on the site where she was baptized, and it still stands in Honolulu on the island of Oahu oh, today. Cool.
1: Yeah, it's really pretty. Clearly, we have to go to Hawaii now.
0: Yes, this is why we have to go to Hawaii to check out a church, Kelly. Yeah, that's and the it's only for her reason. Story. Also, we need to. We can um, expense it as a business expense. We need to uh, rename the hall after Ball. Remember Alice Ball? Oh, yeah. She yep, went to school yep, yep. in Hawaii. Yeah, and then that one dick nose stole her work and got a hall named after him no thank you no thank you when ka Ahumanu adopted Protestantism, she also adopted the feud that they had with catholics <laughs> Yay. That, was a, that was a
1: big thing in like europe
0: it's it's still I mean, it's a, a big thing, thing everywhere yeah. but like
1: europe in particular that was
0: very bloody hello troubles yes I actually have that in my notes somewhere. Troubles anyone? (laughs) Yeah, right. That should have been the name of the next section. Really quick though, uh, if anyone has Netflix, watch Dairy Girls. It takes place in Ireland in the '90s when the Troubles are like going on, and it follows. Well, the Troubles were going on for a long time. But it follows these uh catholic school girls and it's 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 interesting all it's, the men
1: that listen to our podcast which is only like two are like oh
0: catholic school girls i'm going <laughs> it's really it's really interesting because it kind of goes through like their normal teenage bullshit and then all of the super serious stuff is going on in the background hmm. and that actually sounds really interesting it's it first of all it's super funny it, there's a, there's It's a little cringy in some places just because it's like if you if you're the kind of person that feels embarrassed for a character and like feels it deep in your heart. I've seen
1: snippets of Dairy Girls. Yeah, and
0: it's D-E-R-R-Y, because they're living in dairy. Uh, but there's an episode where in an effort And it's like more modern, isn't it? Well, the show is like the show released in recent years, but it's set in the
1: 90s. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I've definitely seen snippets. Yeah, you're right. Parts of it are very cringy,
0: but it's good. But but there's an episode where in an effort to heal this divide between Protestants and Catholics, they bring a bunch of boys from a Protestant school together with the the girls. girls. Yeah. And there's a thing where they have to name like, oh, what do you guys have in common? And all they can do, like Catholics are richer Protestants are richer. And they all like, or, you know, it's like, oh, Protestants are more stuck up and oh, Catholics are more flashy or like like it's yeah, they cannot fucking come together it's on it. So funny. And one of the and one of the one of the Catholic girls is convinced that a Protestant kid, guy's trying to kill her. <laughs> and like it doesn't sound funny when I'm saying it like that, but, but you have is. to watch yeah. it. It's super funny. And then they do find what they have in common. That's in, I'll let you watch it. It's fun. But yeah, so. Protestants and Catholics obviously have a long and bloody history of not getting along, and because of this, Kaahumanu forced the Catholic missionaries to get the fuck out, and passed a law that declared that anyone engaging in Catholic teachings could be deported. Wow! So I'm just gonna take to my where out yeah. off the islands. I you don't have to go home, but you can't fucking stay here. <laughs> So, I'm just going to take my Catholic school uniform. I'm going to put that away <laughs> go and closet. lock it and put it in a bigger box and then a bigger box and then throw it in the ocean. <laughs> the plaid will make her mad. Ooh. So, Ka'ahumanu really pushed the Christian agenda. And along with outlawing rival Christian religions, she also outlawed traditional Hawaiian practices, including. Oh, that's a little sad. What is probably the most iconic. The hula dance. Oh. I I read this. I was like, what the fuck? Ka'ahumanu, are you kidding me? How dare you? I was was with you for most of this. Like, I was a little eh for some of it. Now I'm just like, what are you doing? The fuck are you doing, bitch? So this ban went into effect in 1830. Uh, But just two years later, on June fifth, eighteen thirty-two, Kaahumanu succumbed to an ongoing intestinal illness that she had and died at sixty-six years old. That's young. It's young for the time, maybe maybe not. Nineteen hundreds, yeah, that's not that young. Eighteen hundreds. This is eighteen thirty-two. Yeah, which is the nineteen hundreds. No, it's not. You're thinking nineteenth century. Yeah, nineteenth century. That's what I meant, (laughs) Kelly. I know what you're trying to say, but like. (laughs) You're like, Shh. Emily, you're wrong. I am I am you're picking like, up no. Alice Evans' mantle. I know I'm right.
1: <laughs> I will not let you tell me. No, you have to think you're <laughs> wrong for like four years and then come
0: back and be like, Kelly. <laughs> Mark this date, December 4th, 2021. On December 4th, 2025, <laughs> I will be back. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly. The podcast will resume in four yes. years, everyone. <laughs> So after her death some leaders went right back to practicing hula but it wasn't until like 1886 yeah, it that it like again became widely practiced. Yeah. yeah, because there there was a ruler where he got he got coronated or whatever and he was like everyone hula and they like as part of his celebration. Everyone was, was like hula. Yeah, and I'm like can you okay like can you imagine Hawaii without the hula? No. And I I read this quote shit I didn't include it but it was basically like The hula is the language of the heart of Hawaii. It is. And so to ban it, it, it's not just like a dance. It has a lot of cultural significance. So to ban it was a really big deal.
1: Well, there's like different types of hula for each different occasion. Like, it's not just like, you know, it's not like a salsa. Like, it's not just
0: one dance. Yeah. It's it's more like a, like you said, a language. Yeah. A language with your body. (laughs) Yeah. So thank God that shit didn't stick. That would yeah. sad. Let's talk about warts and all. Anyway, Ka'ahumanu is remembered as an incredibly powerful ruler in Hawaii's yeah. history. A portion of the Hawaii Belt Road is named after her and is often called the Queen K. Yeah. Which I kind of love yeah, that. I love that too. Um, she has a mall named after her. Fancy which I'm and like, modern. I don't think we've had any women have a mall named after them, no, which is new. interesting because women are always associated with shopping.
1: Right. clothes well modern women
0: yes the Ka'ahumanu society was founded in to honor her legacy and they perform charity work and provo- promote female leadership they probably don't do the hula no they fucking do the hula they're like hey we we're big we, enough to admit when someone's wrong <laughs> <laughs> and they celebrate Ka'ahumanu's birthday on March 17th every year Yay. and also Kelly's inadvert- inadvertently well the day before yeah oh shit Okay, I I can never remember if it's the 16th or the 17th. The 16th. 17th and St. Patrick's. Okay, so. Kelly Kelly's like the pregame to
1: Kaahumanu's birthday. <laughs> and St. Patrick's. You just get to drink for two days straight, thanks to me.
0: Yeah. You're welcome. But yeah, that is uh the story of Kaahumanu, the feathered mantle. Ooh. I just like that name. I like that name a lot. It, it's it's a really cool name. Um I have been intimidated by the idea of covering like people from Hawaii because the history is I don't have like it's a,
1: it's a rich history it's a rich
0: history I don't have a lot of like conceptualization of it you know it's like World War II I have a basic idea of what was going down and especially through this podcast I've only gotten more intimate knowledge right but it's one of those things where it's like well how do you learn it you just start reading about it car being sassy so She's she's mad that this is the first time we've touched on Hawaii. She's like, bitch, Hawaii's well, great. Okay, we've we've talked about Hawaii, but not like culturally. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah. But yeah. So thank you for staying with me through that linguistic butchery. I really tried. I thought you did really well. Like <laughs> thank you.
1: I mean, I guess I don't know. The pronunciation, but I thought you did really well. I was gonna
0: say Kelly doesn't know that I'm wrong in everything. <laughs> but it sounded great. Where's our Hawaiian correspondent? And can we crash on your couch? <laughs> just for like two weeks. Maybe longer. Months. Whatever. We'll see how everything pans out. We're
1: just gonna come with no end date in mind. Yeah. And then we'll just leave when we feel like it.
0: You know, it's like those cool party I can invitations work from anywhere. Where it says 8 p.m. to question mark. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Emily. What are you thankful for? Um, I am thankful for all the tiny puncture marks all over my legs because my cat keeps using me as a climbing tree. He literally, it, it's not even like, I know to what's make happening. On you know, too. He, he will need on me, but, uh, he'll literally come flying through the air. And there have been times where like he is midair and I'm yelling, no. And he latches it's like on slow motion. Yeah. no. It's like watching a car crash. And you can't <laughs> stop it. Um, But no. Uh, so what I'm really thankful for, he, first of all, he's adjusting well. I Good. love him. He's I would say like
1: all the pictures you sent me, like, like Rocky and the, the cheese seem to be getting along with him. He seems to be getting along with them. Him and
0: Max, our smallest chi, were getting into it this morning in a playful way, but they were like rolling around oh, on the cute. floor I love when
1: I love when animals do that.
0: I tried to get a video, but just like my animals always do, they can like sense what I'm about to. You take
1: out your phone and they yeah. stop doing whatever they're doing. I'm like, how do you fucking know? Yeah, the pugs do that too.
0: But what I'm really thankful for is I have really been struggling with my depression lately and it was kind of one of those things where I was trying to push through it and you know just oh it'll pass and then it didn't and I uh, so I increased my meds and I That's scheduled good. another therapy appointment. I haven't had a therapy appointment in quite a while yeah, because my depression makes it really hard to get things done. So only a little. It's so fine. I'm I'm like thankful that I'm doing the work and taking the steps I need to take care of my mental health because if I don't, no one else will. Exactly. I would love to outsource that shit. And it's one
1: of those things that even though it's hard, it's worth it in the end. Yes.
0: Yep. And I actually, uh, I had my friend Caleb, what's up, Caleb? I don't know if he listens, but he sent me a thing that he found on Twitter. I feel like not a lot of men probably listen to our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be honest. But they should. But he sent me a thing on Twitter where the, like the summation was like, you know what, whatever gets you motivated, do it. Like, if you think Naruto would be happy that you brushed your teeth and he'd be proud of you, like, if that's your motivation, do it. And I read that and I was like, and after that, that's when I, like, contacted my doctor about increasing my meds and scheduled a therapy appointment. And I wrote him back telling him what I did. I was like, I think Naruto would be proud. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, th- I think after this, I, now that you reminded me. Because what happened is my last therapy appointment got canceled. Not by me. My therapist had, like, a... Situation, per- personal emergency. Yeah, and he was just like, you know, do you mind if we reschedule? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. And then he was like, okay, wh- what's your availability in the next two weeks? And then I just kind of like got a- busy and like completely forgot to message him, mm-hmm. and so now it's been like a month, and I'm like, I should probably be like, when do you have an opening?
0: Well, we know Kelly's thankful for me for reminding her yes, to schedule I her am. therapy. I am.
1: I'm also thankful. It was just like it's weird because I like can't think about like what I did this week. Like I feel like it was a normal week, but like. School's wrapping up. I'm thankful that I have two weeks off instead of the standard one week off thing. Thank you, holidays. (laughs) Um, And I'm excited for that. You know, I'm excited for the next semester. I have some fun classes coming up. I don't know. I just I actually like I'm thankful that I feel like I'm in like a good place. Like I'm caught up with school works going pretty well. Like, you know, I feel like my personal relationships are all in good places. Like, my mental health is actually pretty stable, even though I haven't seen my therapist. Like, so I'm just thankful that you know things are stable.
0: I'm really glad to hear that.
1: Not a frequent thing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like the calm in the storm. Exactly.
1: So I'm also I'm gonna break news to Emily right now. The podcast is not ending. No. Uh, oh my no. god. I, what I'm gonna say is I I don't think we're gonna have a history happening this week. I or not this week, this month. I have one prepared, but I think because we're doing the daily Patreon videos, I think we're going to hold off on the history happening until next month. Yeah, that was it. Okay. That was my announcement. Okay. Like, I have it done, but I'm just like, you know, that's a lot of content.
0: Yeah, and we are. uh, So, if you are not a member of our patron, Patreon, sign up. Our funerary cult.
1: You're going to get some special holiday shit if you do.
0: Yeah, we're doing a wine advent calendar, and we are also giving birth live. Birth. To To, to our own wine. To our own wine. That's true. We have that going on. We need to figure out what to call it. We have like two months to decide that. Okay, okay. You know, it's going to go faster than you think. I know.
1: everything has been going like ever since I like started school I'm like oh god it's been another month and like the other day it was December and I like I made a comment to someone because we we all like there's well there used to be three of us but one quit so there's three of us that like manage an inbox and I was like, oh, thank you for, like, getting this email. And they're like, yeah, it's my month to manage inbox. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's December
0: now, isn't it? I don't know where the fuck November went. Oh, it
1: it just disappeared. It's kind of like 2020.
0: It just disappeared. It was just like a blur of stress and depression. Well, anyway, thank you so much for listening. And food. Always food. Too many old fashions, though. (laughs) Anyway. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Whining About Herstory. Please like us on Facebook at Whining About Herstory, Instagram at WAHPAD, Twitter at WAH
1: underscore pod. Our website is whiningaboutherstory.com and our email is whiningaboutherstory at gmail.com where we would love to hear from you. Also, we have a Patreon that we mentioned that you can donate for as little as one dollar to one get some dollar. special things. Right now, I we are working our way through a wine adventure advent calendar um where i and emily coming up with uh open the wine of the, the day and rate it and drink right out of the bottle which apparently bothers my husband which is kind of amusing. you know what it's
0: not for him
1: right it's for me yeah um and we also have some merch at spreadshirt.com slash about her Or you can go to our website and just click on the merch tab and it's there. You don't even have to go to another website. It's yeah. just
0: there. It's, it's awesome. We have some sweet stuff. And also, we have more coming. Also raise five stars wherever you listen. That really helps us out. We love you. We do. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. I'm Emily. I'm Kelly. And have an empowered day. Bye. <laughs>